Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, again, welcome, and uh, we are so grateful uh, that you are here with us this morning. Pastor Brian and Sanja, our lead pastors, uh, are away uh, on vacation, and uh, they're enjoying some time of, of rest and relaxation, and so we're grateful that they uh, have an opportunity to get away and be on vacation, and so now is a great time uh, to just to keep them in your thoughts and prayers, and uh, man, what a better way as a pastor is way on vacation than for his, uh, his congregation to just be praying for him, uh, that he gets rest, and uh, so we're grateful for that. Uh, if you don't know who I am, or you're watching online today, or maybe you're visiting for the first time, or you've been visiting uh, Harrison Faith online for a few weeks, my name is Pastor Caleb. My wife and I, uh, we are the youth and worship pastors here at Harrison Faith Church, and so it is my honor and privilege today to continue uh, the sermon series that we have been in called Two. Timothy. Uh, so we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 5 today. Uh, before we dive in, I'm just going to make some uh, uh, beginning comments as you turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Um, at Harrison Faith Church, we believe in a culture of honor because it's a biblical principle. God has called each and every one of us to have a spirit of honor. And here's the reality, honor, we believe honor is the currency of the kingdom. And what you fail to honor will eventually exit your life. I'll say that one more time, what you fail to honor will eventually exit your life. It's crucial that we understand the power of honor. Having a spirit of honor is the key that unlocks the door to your God-given destiny. And as believers and leaders, we are to be set apart when it comes to our spirit and our attitude. We're, we're to be set apart from the world. In fact, we see this all throughout Scripture. Uh, God uses contrasts to set things apart. Light and darkness, good and evil, life and death, male and female, earth and sky, heaven and hell, in Adam or in Christ. And in the same way, when we are committed to living with the spirit of honor, we will be a contrast for the world to see. And that's what God desires. He desires that his church would be a contrast for the world to see simply because we have committed to walking in a spirit of honor. So as we dive in today, if you found 1 Timothy chapter 5, say amen. A few people found it. If you don't know who 1 Timothy is or where we're at, just nudge your neighbor. And somebody surely can help you uh, get to 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to dive in and talk about the characteristics of having a spirit of honor. Characteristics of having a spirit of honor. We start in verses 1 and 2 there, 1 Timothy chapter 5. And it says, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. The very first characteristic, if you're taking notes this morning, that we see about someone who possesses a spirit of honor is simply this. They give respect. They give respect. As believers, we give respect. Period. It doesn't matter the skin color, ethnicity, background, 
rich or poor, young or old, believer or non-believer, we give respect because it's about having a spirit of honor. In fact, a true spirit of honor means giving honor even when it's not reciprocated. It means giving honor and respect to other people even when it's not reciprocated because it's not about expecting something in return. It's about giving respect because we're called to be like Christ. If you're taking notes, this is a great place to start. I put this statement in blue. Honor is not predicated upon age or status. It is predicated upon Christ-likeness. We'll say that one more time. Honor is not predicated upon age or status. It is predicated upon Christ-likeness. A person who possesses a spirit of honor is always respectful. As believers... We must understand that we always give respect to other people, including, including those who are older in age, including those who are younger in age. In fact, the way Paul communicates it in this, in this passage is that we should treat one another like family. That's what he's saying in this passage. We should treat one another like family. Let me ask you a couple of questions today. What kind of impact could we have on this community? if we treated everyone like family. You're saying, wait a minute, Pastor Caleb. <laughs> you mean even that person that gets on my nerves? I can treat so-and-so like family, but this person over here, man, they just, they're a little bit annoying. They get on my nerves sometimes. But what kind of impact could we make on our community and on those around us if we treated everyone like family? Can you imagine what kind of culture and atmosphere we could create if we began treating every person who was older than us with the same level of respect as our father or mother, and if we started treating every person who was younger than us with the same level of respect as our brother or sister? That's what Paul is challenging us to do here. This is the kind of attitude and spirit that we are called to walk in as believers. This is what Christ desires from us. And it starts with something as small as our words. We talk a lot as a pastoral staff here at Harrison Faith Church about the importance of our words and the importance of talking up. Pastor Brian has said this multiple times, but we are dealers in hope. There is plenty of negativity when you look around in this world. And as believers and followers of Jesus Christ and as leaders... Negativity should not be pouring out of our lives. We are dealers in hope. We should be positive. Our job as believers and leaders is to talk up and be positive in our attitude, in our lifestyle, and in our speech. We always talk up because that's what we're called to do. And here's the reality. I saw this quote uh, from another pastor just the other day, and I just thought it was so good, and it went along with the message. But here's the reality. Honor elevates... Dishonor decimates. Honor elevates, dishonor decimates. In other words, honor seeks to build up and dishonor seeks to tear down. Nowhere have I ever seen in Scripture are we called to tear people down. Because we're not. It's not in God's character. It's not in Scripture. We're not called to tear people down. We're not, got, we're not called to tear other things or people down. We are called to build one another up in a spirit of honor. 
In fact, one of my favorite scriptures is 1 Thessalonians 5.11, and it says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. We are to encourage one another and build one another up. And when we talk up and give respect, we elevate others. But when we talk down and we do not give respect, we decimate others. We tear people down, even if we're not meaning it intentionally. And here's a few things as I was studying on this point under giving respect that I felt like the Lord put in my heart. And so, number one, the first thing is talking down to others who are younger than you or the same age as you is not a spirit of honor. It is a spirit of insecurity. And talking down to or disrespecting those who are older than you is a spirit of rebellion. And talking down to yourself and talking down in life in general is simply a spirit of negativity. Pastor Brian has also said this many times, it's an Eeyore spirit. But here's the application, church. God has not called us to walk in a spirit of insecurity. He's not called us to walk in a spirit of rebellion. He's not called us to walk in a spirit of negativity. He's called us to walk in love, in honor, and in respect. And to treat other people the same. Romans chapter 12 Verse 10 in the English Standard Version says this, Love one another with brotherly affection. And listen to the second part of the verse. Outdo one another in showing honor. Wow. I love that. Outdo one another in showing honor. Can you imagine if we as people across the nation, if we as believers, if we as leaders, if we as churches and pastors and ministry leaders stopped competing over petty things and started competing in the area of trying to outdo one another in honor. Because here's the reality. Compare and compete ends in defeat. (laughs) Just remember that. Compare and compete ends in defeat. But what if we turned it around and we took this scripture out of the Bible and began to use that as a healthy comparison And begin to say, you know what? I'm going to strive for this goal for the rest of my life. I'm going to strive to outdo everybody else in the area of honor. No matter what. Whether whether someone honors me back or not, I'm going to make it my goal that I'm going to outdo other people in honor. No one is going to outdo me in the area of honor. Can you imagine if every single one of us made that our goal? But here's the reality. Oh, and in fact, I I wrote this in my notes in the Amplified Version of of Romans 12.10. It says this, give preference to one another in honor. (laughs) I know what everybody's thinking. Okay, wait a minute. You see, that's where, that meets us right in our struggle. Why? Because it's our flesh. Nobody wants to give preference to one another. We want our own preferences. But imagine if we said, you know what? As a Christ follower... I'm going to begin to give up my own preferences and I'm going to begin to prefer other people out of a spirit of honor. It's a powerful principle, I'm telling you. It's a life-changing, transformational principle if we can get a hold of this today. But you see, it starts with the way you see yourself. And here's where many of us struggle. We struggle with giving other people respect for this one reason. Because we struggle with seeing ourselves the way Christ sees us. 
That's why so many of us struggle with giving respect. We struggle with seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Honor and respect is about seeing people the way God sees them. But the reality is you and I cannot begin to see other people the way God sees them until we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. So how do we walk in honor by giving respect to others? Two things. Number one, we have to see ourselves the way God sees us so that we can see others the same. And number two, we have to walk by His Spirit. It's not possible for us as believers and leaders to effectively walk in a spirit of honor without walking by His Spirit. It's not possible because our flesh constantly wants to oppose what the Spirit wants. Galatians 5, 16 in the Amplified says this, But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek Him and be responsive to His guidance, and then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature which responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. We cannot walk in an attitude of respect towards ourselves or towards others if we're not walking by his spirit. So here's, here's the challenge under giving respect. Walk by his spirit daily so that you can lead the way in giving respect to yourself and to others. So we pick up in verses 3 through 16. I'm going to read through verses 3 through 16 here, chapter 5. It says, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her, but if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Now, a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for his help, but the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead even while she lives. Verse 7, give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. A widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. She must be well respected by everyone because of the good that she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? Then it goes on to talk about the younger widows, starting in verse 11. The younger widows should not be on the list because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ and they will want to remarry. Then they would be guilty of breaking their previous pledge. And if they are on the list, they will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business and talking about things that they shouldn't. So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their own homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them. For I am afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan. And then lastly, he says, If a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. Then the church can care for the widows who are truly alone. So what is he saying here? Number two. The second characteristic of someone who possesses a spirit of honor is that they acknowledge responsibility. <laughs> we acknowledge responsibility. 
Because it's, it's an instruction of Scripture. If you want to walk in a spirit of honor before God and before your family, you must acknowledge responsibility. There's three levels of responsibility that we see here in this passage. And the first one is church responsibility. As believers and as the church, we are called to help one another, we are called to bear one another's burdens, and we are called to encourage one another. And let me just remind you, the church is you and I. The church is not this building. The church is not Pastor Brian. The church is not Pastor Caleb. The church is you and I. Each and every one of us in this house today make up the church. We are the church. And with being the church, there is responsibility. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. For if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. In the Amplified Version, verse 3 says, We deceive ourselves by thinking that we are too important to help someone. Here's what I know. When we walk in a spirit of honor... We are not likely prone to deception because we're not focused on ourselves. When you walk in a spirit of honor, you're not focused on yourself. You're focused on what God has asked you to do, what God has called you to do, who can I help, who can I serve, whose burden can I help bear today, who can I pray for, who can I text, who can I call. What can I do to build up the kingdom of God? Instead, we walk by the Spirit and we're able to discern when one of our own is hurting in need of a burden-bearing partner to help carry the load. Scripture is also very clear in its instructions for the church to help the helpless, which is those who have no family or are unable to support themselves. In fact, James chapter 1, verse 27 says this, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So here's my challenge for you today as we talk about acknowledging responsibility. Let me challenge you and encourage you today, church. Don't wait for instructions or for someone to ask you for help. Why? Because our instructions in Scripture are clear enough. Paul makes it very clear here what the church's responsibility is. Don't wait for instructions. Don't wait for someone to come to you and ask for help. As believers, I believe that it's time that God is calling us to stop shrinking back into the shadows and waiting on someone else. It is time to take initiative. It's time to start looking for people who need help. It's time to start looking for people to serve. It's time to start looking for people to encourage. It's time to start looking for someone to pray for, someone to call, something to do to help build up the kingdom of God. Why? Because that is what Jesus did. It's not because Pastor Caleb said you should do it. It's not because Pastor Brian said you should do it. It's because it's what God has called us to do. And it's what Jesus did. Jesus never focused on himself. If you read throughout the story of the Bible and the Gospels, you will find that even on his journey on the way to the cross to be crucified, he was never focused on himself. 
In fact, he said, if it be thy will, let this pass cup from me. But thy will be done. It's God's will, not ours. It's never about us. It's always about the kingdom of God. He was never focused on himself. Jesus saw a need and he met a need. That was his whole ministry. He was looking for people to help. He was looking for people to heal. He was looking for people that he could encourage. He was looking for people that he could call and say, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He was always focused on helping other people. This reminds me, I I bragged on these ladies in our church when I was speaking at the Young at Heart luncheon and this morning as I was going over the message again, I kind of just felt impressed to to brag on them again, but Sue Parker and and, and many of our, our ladies in the church have been coming up during the week, every week, for hours at a time, and spending their time and they basically take, if I'm, if I'm wrong, they can correct me <laughs> later. And, and if you have information about it, see them and they can uh, tell you more about it. But they take basically plastic grocery bags, like the grocery bags from Walmart or, or any kind of plastic bag, and they use those, they weave them together to make mats for the homeless people to sleep on in our community. It's the most powerful thing I've ever seen. It's simple, but it's so profound. And it's really just spoken to my heart. It's really blessed in my heart to watch these ladies come up every week and use the gifts and what God has given them to do something simple but yet so powerful to help people who are in need. And so just a little plug as, we're, as I'm bragging on them, if you have grocery bags that you're just going to throw away, they're needing some more. <laughs> but I think it's such an awesome thing that they do because they see a need, they saw a need, and they're meeting that need. And it's really not that hard. It's something that's so simple, but yet so profound. They saw a need, and so they said, you know what? We're going to do our best to meet this need. And that's what we're called to do as believers. See a need and meet it. This second level of responsibility that we see in this passage is family responsibility. Our first responsibility as believers is to take care of our families. Somebody say amen. When we take care of our families first, Scripture says that we show godliness and it pleases God. I can tell you the greatest gift and responsibility that you and I have been given on this earth is to love and lead our families. It's the greatest gift, to love and lead your family. And so let me just say this. If your work, other people, or other things are getting taken care of, but your family is not being taken care of, it's time to check your priorities. Because we have responsibility that we must acknowledge to our families. One thing that I told myself, and this is not out of experience, this is not something I've achieved, this is something that I'm striving for every day as a young father, but from the moment I had the privilege of honor of becoming a father, I told myself this and I told my wife this to keep myself accountable, that I was going to strive every single day, every moment that I get time with my kids, that number one, they will never have to wonder if their father loves them. They'll never have to wonder if their father loves them. Because every moment that I'm with them, I will tell them that I love them and I will show them that I love them. And that's what we're called to do as believers. Acknowledge the responsibility of our families. Tell them that you love them and show them that you love them. 
Having a spirit of honor means taking care of your family, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your grandparents, etc. We must take care of our families. This is important. Number three, the third level of responsibility we see in this passage is personal responsibility. Someone who possesses a spirit of honor does not put undue responsibility on the church, on their family, or on other people. I've heard it said all of my life, you cannot help someone who will not help themselves. We have to take personal responsibility. I've seen it too many times in my life and in ministry. Gifted people who have so much potential, but their life is going nowhere fast simply because they will not take personal responsibility for themselves and for their situation. We have to take personal responsibility sometimes. Here's the reality. If we want to be blessed to make a difference in this life, we have to do our part. We have to take ownership and responsibility in the areas where we can. Until you take 100% responsibility for your present condition in life, you'll be destined to repeat your past. Let me say that again. Until you take 100% responsibility for your present condition in life, you will be destined to repeat your past. So how does a lack of responsibility affect honor? How does it affect having a spirit of honor? Well, it affects it in a few ways. It puts undue responsibility on someone else. It strips people of their ability to self-govern. It robs people of their ability to use their gifts, abilities, and talents to impact the world. And it impairs our ability as a person created in the image of God to be an overcomer, to be a victor, and to be a conqueror in this life. We must take personal responsibility And the greatest way we can do this and remind ourselves is that we practice the burden-bearing principle. Practice the burden-bearing principle, which is just simply this. When I look out at others, I am to bear one another's burdens. But when I look in at myself, I'm to bear my own load. Practice the burden-bearing principle. Then we pick up in verses 17 and 18 as he begins to move into talking about honoring those in leadership, having a spirit of honor when it comes to those who are in leadership. Verse 17 says, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. The application is this, if you're taking notes. Someone who possesses a spirit of honor gives double honor where it is due. We give double honor where it is due. That's what Paul's saying here. Give double honor. Paul says to those who do the work of the ministry well and work hard at preaching and teaching are worthy of double honor. This means we honor them with respect and generosity. And so can I just encourage you today as the church, for myself and for all of us today, I just really felt impressed as I was preparing this message to remind you, let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when it comes to our generosity. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because too often, this is what happens. Too often, we allow our thoughts to linger after God speaks something to our spirit. Too many times, 
we feel that nudge and we hear the voice of God speak to us and we know that he's told us to do something and we wait and we let our thoughts linger and then before you know it, we convince ourselves that God didn't really speak to us to do that. And we miss out on an opportunity not only to walk in honor but to bless someone else and to be a blessing and we also miss out on an opportunity for God to bless us. Now hear me out today. I'm not up here, I'm not preaching prosperity. It's not about money. It's not about the amount. But I can tell you from experience that when I have obeyed the voice of God in the area of generosity, he has always blessed me back every time, every time. In fact, I had an example here in my notes. And and let me just say this, because I had this written down too. When it comes to listening to God's voice, when God speaks, you move. It's that simple. In fact, just make it a goal. When God speaks, I move. There's no questions. There's no if, ands, doubts. If God speaks to me, I move and I obey. Because number one, it honors God. And that's what we're called to do first and foremost is honor him. But over the holidays, I think it was last year, I was in Texas. We were in Texas with our family, staying in our parents' house and A friend and family member of mine had invited me and basically he took me out to eat, paid for the meal. We rode in his truck and we got back and we pulled up into the driveway of my parents' house where my wife and I and our kids were staying for the holidays. And we were just talking about life and ministry and different things and we were sitting there in the truck and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit and he said, give him $100. And I was like, what? $100? You know, for some of us, we're like, man, $100 is $100, man. But I knew if I sat there and I waited and I tried to convince myself that it wasn't the Spirit speaking to me, that I wouldn't do it. And so without hesitation, I pulled out my wallet, pulled out the $100 bill, slapped it on the console in between us, and I said, dude, I don't know if you need this. I don't know why. I just know the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, give you $100. The next night, God put $500 in our hand. Because God had blessed someone else and spoken to them that they were to bless us. What am I telling you? When I obeyed God with a hundred, he blessed us fivefold. When you obey God when he speaks, not only are you being a blessing to others, but God is going to bless you back. When we honor God, he honors us and he blesses us. So it's not only a blessing to be a blessing, it's a blessing also because God's going to bless you back when you obey him and when you walk in a spirit of honor. Again, it's not about the money. It's not about the amount. God could speak to you and say, hey, give this person $10. Give them $20. Or he could encourage you or speak to you to do somebody that doesn't even have, do something for somebody that doesn't even have anything to do with money. But the principle is walking in that spirit of honor and obedience to God and saying, I know this is what the Holy Spirit told me to do, and so I'm doing it. And when we honor him, he honors us. We pick up in verses 19 and 20. It says, Do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those who sin, or in the English Standard Version, those who persist in sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning warning to others. The next characteristic of a spirit of honor is simply this. Believe the best. Believe the best. We are called as believers and followers of Christ to believe the best about our leaders. Believe the best and give them the benefit of the doubt. A spirit of honor looks for the best in people, not the worst. 
the reality is whatever you look for, you're going to find it. Because each and every one of us, including those who are in leadership, we are imperfect people who love Jesus. That's it. We're imperfect people who love Jesus. So believe the best about one another. Believe the best about those who are in leadership. Verse 21, he says, I solemnly command you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus and the highest angels to obey these instructions. Man, what a powerful statement. I'm going to read that again. He says, I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the highest angels to obey these instructions. How? Without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone. The ESV says, doing nothing from partiality. The application is this. Someone who possesses a spirit of honor is called to be impartial. That's it. Be impartial. A spirit of honor does not treat people different based on bias, based on prejudice, based on preference. Be committed to treating every person with the same level of kindness and respect. We talk a lot about a core value here at Harrison Faith. Every soul matters to God. And if they matter to God, they matter to us. Treat everyone the same, with the same level of respect and kindness. Something that I feel like I've seen lately is, you know, we all are aware with the way the economy is, a lot of people are struggling to find people who want to work. And as a result of the companies and the businesses and the fast food chains who are struggling to find people who want to work, that means they're struggling to get the work done that they need to do. But guess what we're called to do as believers? Not to walk into the fast food place and yell at them and say, hurry up, why don't I have my food yet? It's to be impartial. It's to treat them with the same level of grace and kindness that Christ has extended to us. A great example is last Wednesday night, our youth ministry did a takeover after service at the Burger King. It was very obvious that they were struggling that night. Everyone who was already sitting down had already taken their order and had their receipts, but none of the orders were out. But I loved what the manager did. He came out from behind the thing, walked out, and he said, Guys, I'm so sorry. He said, we're obviously struggling tonight. We, 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 we've got new people in here who need training, and also our computers are messing up for some reason. But he said, I tell you what, if you'll one by one take your receipt and bring it to me, I'll get you taken care of. And nobody got mad. Nobody got upset. We waited patiently. We treated them with the same level of respect and kindness that we would expect someone else to treat us. And guess what? Everybody got their food. And then at the end, I thought it was cool because a lot of our leaders and our students there, we just decided at the end, we walked up to the front and we gave them a standing ovation and we just told them, thank you. Thank you for working hard. Thank you for getting us our food. The manager came out and he said, guys, I don't know if y'all are praying people. He said, I go to church. Most of the people who work here don't. He said, I just ask you to pray for us. Right there in that moment, because we chose a spirit of honor, instead of getting frustrated because we didn't have our food, because we chose to walk in a spirit of honor, we were, we were able to be used by God to be a light in the darkness. And that's what it's about, walking in a spirit of honor so that we can be a contrast for the world to see. We must be impartial. Everyone deserves the same measure of mercy and grace. 
Romans chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. And if God shows no partiality, then neither should we. We pick up, lastly, in verses 22 through 25. It says, Never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. And he kind of goes on and goes into several different things here in these last few verses. Never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Then he says to Timothy, Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. Remember, the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment, but there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious, and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. So my last point today, before we get ready to close, is simply this. Those who possess a spirit of honor are committed to a healthy lifestyle. They are committed to a healthy lifestyle. In order for us to walk in a spirit of honor, we have to take care of ourselves physically and we have to take care of ourselves emotionally and spiritually. Now on a side note here, we see in verse 23 where Paul is referring to, he tells Timothy to drink wine and not just water, but the commentary suggests there that the quality of the water that Timothy was drinking was very poor and also we know that Timothy was dealing with some stomach issues. So, don't go home today and say, Pastor Brian said we should drink wine. <laughs> I mean, Pastor Caleb said we should drink wine. That's not really the application of what Paul is saying there. But, we should take care of ourselves physically and take care of ourselves emotionally and spiritually. Which means this. Jeannie Mayo said one time, without a devotional life, you will have an emotional life. As people who choose to walk in a spirit of honor, we should be people of the word. We should be people of prayer. We should be people who are committed to a healthy lifestyle. People of the word, people of, the, of prayer, people of the spirit. Be committed to living a healthy lifestyle and choosing to walk in a spirit of honor. So as we close, what does this mean for Harrison Faith Church. And you can go ahead and stand on your feet this morning. What does this mean for Harrison Faith Church? Choosing a spirit of honor. A good friend of mine once told me, God doesn't have a problem blessing people. He has a problem finding people with the right spirit. We are living in a time where God is calling men and women to rise up out of the shadows of insecurity and to start walking in a spirit of honor that recognizes I am who God says I am because I know who Christ is and I know who I am in Him. I can walk in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and I can help move people from death to life simply because I'm walking in the power of a spirit of honor. A spirit of honor. It's a life-changing principle, church. That's how important this principle is. A spirit of honor has the power to change a culture. A spirit of honor has the power to change a generation. A spirit of honor has the power to move people from death to life. It has the power to change the future if we choose to walk in a spirit of honor.
So here it is. If we want to continue to walk in God's blessings for our families and this church and this community, and we want to experience revival and growth in this next season, it is going to require each and every one of us to walk in a spirit of honor. A spirit of honor. Here's the application. Honor is the gateway to influence. Honor is the gateway to influence. And your influence will only reach as far as your honor. So if you want to build up the kingdom and you pray every day and you say, God, I want to be a kingdom influence for God. I want to be a kingdom influence in this community. Then you have to walk in a spirit of honor because honor is the gateway to influence. So here's my challenge for you today. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Choose to walk in a spirit of honor today so that you can walk in kingdom influence tomorrow. Choose to walk in the spirit of honor today so that you can walk in kingdom influence tomorrow. And I'll just tell you what I felt like the Lord put on my heart to do as an altar response today is a little bit different. But I just felt impressed in my heart that we pray over families today. And so I'm going to invite you here in just a moment to come. If you're with your family or your spouse or your kids, or even if you're not with your family, you're still invited to come down here to this altar and you can stand in place of your family. For those who are watching online, I want to invite you to pray with us as well. But I want to invite you to come down to these altars and make a declaration today, not only that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, but as for me and my family, we are going to walk in a spirit of honor so that we can walk in kingdom influence, so that we can be a contrast for the world to see, so that we can be a light in the darkness, so that God can use us to move people from death to life. So if that's you today, the worship team is going to play and worship us out, but I'm going to invite you right now. If you don't have somewhere to be right this moment, I encourage you to just take this moment with your family, come down to the front and begin to hold hands with your family and begin to declare, God, not only as for me and my house, are we going to serve the Lord, but as for me and my house, we're going to choose to walk in a spirit of honor. Even when people don't give honor back, we're going to walk in a spirit of honor because it's what God has called us to do. And when we do that, we will be a contrast for the world to see. So come, I invite you to come and let's pray together.